This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dr. Gary Chapman is an author, speaker, and counselor who has a passion for helping people form lasting relationships. He's a New York Times bestselling author, and he's known all over the world for his book, The Five Love Languages. Dr. Chapman is also a well-known marriage counselor and a director of marriage seminars. His nationally syndicated radio programs air on the Moody Radio Network and on more than 400 affiliate stations. Gary, thanks so much for joining us on Takeaways. I've really been looking forward to you coming on the program. Well, thank you, Kirk. I am glad to be with you. We've talked before, Gary, and, and, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate your book, The Five Love Languages. Uh, and you've got new books all the time, and we're going to be talking about one today, about the five languages of apology. I can't wait to do that. But I have to ask you, uh, you speak toward those in broken relationships like you know what you're talking about. You have such a passion to help people heal relationships. Where, where did you get that from? You know, I think it came from the early days of my own marriage because my wife and I struggled greatly in the early days of mm. our marriage. And we were both Christians. You know, I was actually in seminary studying to be a pastor. <laughs> and uh, I think because we went through that, it gave me great empathy for people who are struggling. So when they sit in my office and say, we have no hope for our marriage, I remember when I didn't have any hope for my marriage. Mm. And so I sometimes say to them, I can understand that, so why don't you go on my hope? Because I have hope for you. Let's go on my hope, and let's see what can happen. That's great. And, and what do you find are the most problematic issues for couples today? Is, what are the top three issues that are dividing couples? Well, I think a lot of research says it's uh, divisions over how we handle money. Uh, but I don't know if that's true or not. I think a lot of the problem is that we don't feel loved in the relationship. And I think that's why the five love languages, which you mentioned, has been so helpful to so many people. I've had people every week tell me that book saved our marriage. So I, I think that's one of the bigger things. And the other thing is what we're talking about today is that couples don't apologize when they hurt each other. And that puts a barrier between us. And if you don't deal with it, the barrier just sits there and it doesn't go away with the passing of time. What is it about an apology that is so important well, I think when we, we hurt the other person, uh, we create a barrier between the two of us. And the, the relationship's not going to go forward if we don't deal with it. If we just sweep it under the rug and we get a lot of those things under the rug that we haven't dealt with, uh, then we get, begin to think we're just not compatible. And so we, we ought to get out of this marriage. And I, I really think you cannot have a long-term healthy marriage without apology and forgiveness. Your work was so instrumental in our making the movie Fireproof years ago. And in that movie Fireproof, there is an apology scene which is really uh, modeling the kinds of principles that you talk about yes. as being so important in your new book that you co-authored with Dr. Jennifer Thomas called The Five Languages of Apology. I've heard people say to me, uh, you know, uh, our marriage failed. Uh, it, it, didn't, it didn't work. And, and I remember that someone gave me the wisdom years ago and said, no, marriage doesn't fail. People fail. 
that God created marriage and it's a good thing. It's a gift and it works when we're in partnership with God and we're loving one another the way he tells us to. And I think part of that is learning how to apologize. So I'm so thankful you wrote this book with uh, Dr. Thomas. Uh, what, what motivated you to write the book on this? I mean, many people would say, you did the five love languages, you're done. I mean, game over. Uh, you, you crushed it with that book. Why did you go to the next book of apologies? Well, I have to give Dr. Thomas uh, credit for this because she came to me and said, I've been using the five love languages for years in my counseling, but I believe people have apology languages. I said, what do you mean? She said, I believe that what one person considers to be an apology is not what another person considers to be an apology. Mm. And as soon as she said that, I resonated with it. Yeah. Because they've been in my office for years arguing over whether or not the other person apologized. She would say, for example, <laughs> I would forgive him if he would just apologize. And he would say, I did apologize. I told you I was sorry. And she would say, that's not an apology. So they're arguing over whether or not that was an apology. So that's where it all started. And, and I said to her, well, if we're going to write a book on it, we better do some research. And let's make sure that we know what we're talking about. So we literally asked thousands of people all over the country. When you apologize, what do you typically say or do? And when someone's apologizing to you, what do you want to hear them say and do? And their answers fell into five categories. I promise you we were not looking for five. I like five. <laughs> <laughs> and we later call them the five apology languages. So that's, that's the background to this book. Gary, tell us a story of a relationship that completely turned around when an authentic apology was communicated. Yeah, well, let me say this. An apology alone does not restore the relationship. There has to be a response to the apology. And forgiveness is the biblical Christian response to an apology. And when, when couples do that, they have hope. I remember I was visiting a couple. He was in uh, hospice. And uh, we talked a bit. He, he was planning his funeral, and I helped him with that, and his wife was there. And afterwards, I prayed for them. And uh, he held my hand, and she held his hand. I reached across the table and held, held her hand. And then I prayed, and I released her hand and his hand. But he held onto her hand and brought it to his face and kissed her hand. And when he did, I started weeping. Because I remembered 35 years ago when they sat in my office and said, we have no hope for our marriage. Uh. And when they learned finally how to speak each other's love language and how to apologize for past failures and forgive each other, Nine months after we started that counseling process, she said, Dr. Chapman, if anyone had ever told me I would love him again, I would say it couldn't happen. I'd been hurt too deeply. She said, but I do. And here they are now, 35 years later, near the end of the journey, still loving each other. Now, what happens if someone doesn't accept your apology? For instance, uh, if, if I've wronged my wife or if I've wronged my child and I've apologized the best I, I can and they say, Nope, I don't believe you. What do you do then? Well, let's say this. We cannot make someone forgive us. We can request forgiveness, but we can't make them forgive us. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. Mm. And if the person's been deeply hurt, then we have to give them time. Time to reflect upon our apology. Time to reflect upon the changes they're seeing in my life. 
and chances are the time will come when they can forgive us. But we should never force the person to forgive us. We should never preach to them and say, well, you know, God said if you don't forgive me, he won't forgive you. Mm. Okay, that's true, but give her time or give him time to process the emotions and the hurt that they have. Then if you're, cha- if you're p- really changing in your behavior, chances are they'll come to forgive you. Gary, there was a popular movie years ago, and in it, there was a line where someone said, true love is not having to say you're sorry. And, and I think we can sort of figure out what they're trying to say there, but others would say, without apologies, you're going to lose the relationship. Based on all of your research, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think apology is absolutely necessary, uh, as again, because we're not, we're not perfect. You don't have to be perfect to have a good marriage, but you do have to deal with your failures. If we don't deal with our failures, we create a wall between us. And it's hard to talk over a wall or talk through a wall. Mm. And I think what happens is couples just grow further and further apart, and then they conclude, well, we're just too different. It's never going to work out. Reality, if we confess and apologize and turn from our behavior, and if they choose to forgive us, Now we've removed the barrier, we've torn down the wall, and now we can go forward. Gary, how would you counsel somebody who says, uh, you know, I don't want to apologize because I don't want to send the wrong message. This wasn't all my fault. And if I'm saying I'm sorry, I'm probably communicating that one, uh, I'm inadequate, and two, that I'm letting them off the hook. Well, I would say this, you know, we we discovered that about 10% of the population almost never apologizes for anything, and most of them are men, and they learned it from their father, who told them real men don't apologize. And we know where their fathers got that, John Wayne, that great theologian, okay? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And, And so what I say to them, you know, your dad was probably a good man, he probably did the best he could, but your dad had bad information. Apologizing is an absolute necessity if you're gonna have a long-term healthy relationship. Gary, I'm so glad we're talking about this. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation regarding the art of apologizing. We're finally going to learn how to do this God's way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Dr. Gary Chapman, and we're talking about a basic yet powerful component to healthy relationships, apologizing. All right, Gary, I want to dive into your book, The Five Languages of Apology, and um, I want you to explain to all of us what each of these languages sounds like, okay? So, so one of them is, uh, I'm sorry, and you say that's the language of expressing regret, Well, you know, when someone is apologizing to us, what we're asking in our mind is, are they sincere? Because if we judge them as sincere, it's much easier to forgive them. And so what we discovered is that people have different ideas of what a sincere apology looks like. Uh. Typically, they learned it from their parents. You know, if uh, the parent said to Johnny when he pushed his sister, don't push your sister, that's wrong. You tell her you're sorry. So he says, I'm sorry. 
Well, he's 25 now. He's married. If he offends his wife, he's going to say, I'm sorry. But she had a different mother and father. She learned something else, and that doesn't register with her. Uh, another language of apology in your book is, uh, I was wrong. So that's different than I'm sorry. Yeah. You're saying I was wrong, and that is accepting responsibility. Why is that important? I think there are people, if you don't admit that you're wrong, to them it's not, it's not a sincere apology. Incidentally, this is the first step in teaching a child to apologize. A four-year-old, a five-year-old breaks a cookie and says, it broke, it broke. And the parent says, honey, let's say that a different way. I broke the cookie. It's not a sin to break a cookie. We're just helping them accept responsibility for what they did. My son was probably six years old. He and I were in the kitchen together. He accidentally knocked a glass off the table, hit the floor and broke. When I heard the noise, I turned and looked at him and he said, it did it by itself. <laughs> and I said, Derek, let's say that a different way. I accidentally knocked the glass off the table. And he said, I accidentally knocked the glass off the table. It's not a sin to accidentally knock a glass off the table. I'm just helping him accept responsibility for his behavior. And so for some people, if you don't admit that what you did was wrong, then in their mind, it's not sincere. I think the other great thing about taking responsibility for what I've done wrong is that that gives me hope that I can fix it. This is my fault, this was my issue, that was my choice, and I can make a different choice. I can actually repent and turn this thing in the right direction with God's help. All right, next language is, how can I make it right? For some people, if you don't offer to make things right, then in their mind, you're not sincere. So this has to do with asking them the question, honey, I know I've hurt you deeply. I really regret that. But look, what can I do to make it up to you? What can I do to make it right? Huh. For example, a husband may say to his, my husband may forget his anniversary, okay? Now, none of our listeners would do that, but let's just say he forgets his anniversary. <laughs> no flowers, no dinner, nothing. And he's sitting there that night, looks over on the couch, and she's crying. And he says, honey, what's wrong? And she says, I can't believe you don't know what's wrong. And it dawns on him. I doubt that I'm sorry, I'm, I was wrong, he's going to hack it. But he can say those things and then say, but honey, look, I, blew, I have blown it big time. You know, I've blown it big time. I have no excuse for that. But, but look, honey, we can still celebrate. What would you like to do? We can't do it tonight, but what, what, how would you like to celebrate our anniversary? She'll have an idea, a yeah, little trip to Hawaii or something like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Gary. I think, he, I think he's still in the doghouse for a week. <laughs> <laughs> but when she sees him really w wanting to make up for it, it does make it easier for her to forgive him. Okay, here's another language. I will take steps to prevent a reoccurrence. This is a plan for change. Why is that important? Yeah. Yeah, and this, this is the biblical word for this is repentance. It means I'm going to turn away from what I've been doing, what I did, and I'm going to make every effort to change that behavior. I'll give you an example. Uh, a lady said to me in my office, she said, Dr. Chapman, I can give you an example of that. She said, my husband was keeping our baby. Baby was about 16 months old. I was doing something else in the house. The baby started crying, and he did everything he could to get the baby to stop crying. And then he lost his temper, picked up our baby, and started shaking our baby. And when he did, she said, I grabbed the baby and said, don't do that to our baby. And I ran to the bedroom just sobbing. 
She said, he came into the, to the bedroom. He, walked, he asked if he could come in. He walked in and started crying and said, honey, I can't believe I did that. You know I love our baby. I don't ever want to do that again. Can you help me? Can we get a plan so I will never do that again? She said, Gary, I sensed he was so sincere. We sat there and came up with a simple plan that if he ever felt himself about to lose his temper with one of our children, he would say, honey, I'm hot. I got to take a walk. And I would know what that meant. He would take his walk, cool off, then come back. He wouldn't walk all night. He'd come back (laughs) and say, okay, honey, I think I'm under control. How can I help you? He plugged back into the evening. She said, Gary, that was eight years ago. He's never lost his temper with one of our children since. He's taken quite a few walks, but he's never lost his temper. So she said, I sensed he was so sincere because he expressed the desire to change his behavior. Mm. And she said, that just convinced me. And I forgave him, even though what he did was horrible. And then finally, the fifth language of apology. Uh, Can you find it in your heart to forgive me, to give me another chance? You call that, uh, well, requesting forgiveness. This one was not on my radar. I mean, I thought that if I'm apologizing in any manner, wouldn't you know I want to be forgiven? But for some people, they're actually waiting for you to ask for forgiveness. And if you don't ask for forgiveness, in their mind, the the apology is weak. Uh, Dr. Thomas gave me an illustration on that one with her mother. Her mother had a friend at work, I mean, close friend for 15 years. And she said, one day I noticed she was kind of cold. So I said to her, is everything all right with you and me? Incidentally, that's the way friends talk. If you think something's wrong, you ask, everything all right? And she said, my friend said, you know what bothers me about you? You don't ever apologize. Her mother said, I was shocked. I said, what do you mean? She said, you remember two weeks ago when you did da-da-da-da-da? And she said, yes, I remember that, but I told you I was sorry. And the lady said, I know, but you didn't ask me to forgive you. And her mother said, I was shocked again. And I said, well, then let me ask you to forgive me. I value our relationship. Will you please forgive me? And the lady said, sure. <laughs> it wasn't that she didn't want to forgive her. It was in her mind her mother had not apologized. So for some people, this is an important part of a sincere apology. So we've talked about five languages of apology. Gary, let me, let me give you an example, and I want you to tell me what's wrong with this apology. For example, a man says, I have committed adultery. I have been unfaithful, but I've dealt with the issue. And, and she's just crying because she's not hearing what she really wants to hear. And, and then the response is, wait a minute. Do you not forgive me the way God has forgiven you? What's wrong with that? He's preaching to her that she's got to forgive him. Whereas forgiveness is a choice. And, and another factor is forgiveness does not rebuild trust. Forgiveness opens the door to the possibility that trust can be reborn. You see, he's been unfaithful to her, and now he's wanting her to forgive him quickly. And what I say to him, if you want her to trust you again, you say to her, honey, my computer is yours anytime you want to look at it. My phone is yours anytime you want to look at it. I've hurt you too much. I don't ever want to hurt you again. And you open up like that, that she can examine your life and walk with you. She will come to trust you again. Gary, how would you counsel someone who says, I just can't forgive myself. I can never forgive myself for what I have done. 
Well, I had that question asked when I was uh, speaking once in a jail, and uh, they had invited the wives to come in with the men that night for a lecture. And uh, he raised his hand in the Q&A and said, you know, God has forgiven me for what I did. My wife has forgiven me. She was sitting beside of him. My children have forgiven me, but how do I forgive myself? I've hurt so many people by what I did. And I said to him, if a holy God can forgive you, then you have a basis for forgiving yourself. So here's what I suggest. You stand in front of a mirror and you talk to yourself and you say, self, you've blown it big time. You've hurt lots of people and you, you just spell it out to yourself. But you came to God and a holy God has forgiven you, self. So I'm going to choose to forgive you. So, self, I'm forgiving you tonight. Again, forgiveness is a choice, not an emotion. He, went, he may still have deep regret. He may have deep pain at what he's done and hurt so many people. Forgiveness doesn't take away the memory of what you've done. It doesn't take away the emotions that come back when you remember what you've done. So you take those emotions to God and you say, Lord, you know what I'm remembering and you know how I hurt people, but I thank you that you've forgiven me and I've forgiven myself. Now help me to do something good today. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.